Welcome to Fruitbox, Fruitnet's new series of fresh fruit and vegetable conversations with me, Chris White. Every week I'm talking down the line from my studio here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they're facing today. I hope that these short 15-minute conversations with me can give you some really good insights into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. These conversations with me here at Fruitbox complement the reports and analysis we already give you at Fruitnet. You'll find them online at fruitnet.com and in print in the magazines you know, such as Eurofruit, Asia Fruit, Fresh Produce Journal and Produce Plus, as well as, of course, our German language weekly, Fruchthandel. Joining me today at Fruitbox are two of my colleagues, John Hay and Yushin Yang. John has been editor of Asia Fruit for more than 10 years. In fact, I'd say there's no one who knows more about what's going on in the fresh fruit and vegetable business in Asia today than John Hay. And alongside John at our office in Melbourne, where they're both based, is Yuxin Yang, the editor of our Asia Fruit China magazine, as well as our daily Chinese language news service that's now reaching more than 20,000 readers in China every week. Hi, John. Hi, Yuxin. Welcome to Fruitbox. Hi, Chris. Hello, Chris. In today's fruit box, I want to talk about China and, and about India. They're the world's two biggest consumer markets with a combined population of close to 3 billion. We talked about China in our second episode, and I'm keen to talk about India now too, because there's so much that's happened there over the last few years. In fact, we organise a regular event in India, and for obvious reasons, this year we're taking it online Indeed, it'll be our first ever online conference that we've ever organised. It takes place on Thursday the 23rd of April. And listen out uh, at the end of the programme for more details. Now, I I know the talk is all about coronavirus these days. China is on its way out. India is on its way in. But I wanted today to broaden the scope of our discussions to talk more generally about these two markets. So let me turn to you first, John. What do you see to be some of the key things that both markets have in in common? Yeah, well, the the most obvious thing, Chris, uh, I think um, would be the the huge uh, populations and and economies, as as you mentioned in your intro. Uh, China and India are each home to more than uh, 1.3 billion people. And together, they account for 40% of the global population. And within those huge populations, you've obviously got uh, fast-growing middle-class segments uh, with the the motivation and the means to to buy imported and uh, higher quality, higher value fruits. Of course, um, China is uh, uh, much further down the track than India in its economic development. Um, It's a far bigger, uh, more mature and uh, and more advanced as a market market. And then I guess another common aspect is that uh, both countries are so fast, uh, vast, sorry, and diverse um, that neither can really be seen as uh, one market. Uh, there are major regional differences within both countries in terms of uh, consumer tastes, uh, their demographics, and in their cultures. So uh, whether it's China or India, uh, we're better to look at each one uh, really as a market of markets uh, with distinct uh, preferences and uh, requirements. I guess another important thing to note is that they're uh, both uh, huge producers of fresh fruit and vegetables in their own right, 
Um, and what that means is that imports uh, account for uh, a very small percentage of their uh, total fresh produce consumption. Uh, in China's case, uh, I think fruit imports represent uh, you know, less than 2% of uh, total consumption. Uh, and in India, it's even lower than that. Um, and again, I mean, that highlights the, the, the great uh, growth potential. Um, and as huge fruit and vegetable producers, uh, both markets uh, have fairly uh, strict conditions in terms of access for imported fruits, uh, particularly uh, um, you know, to protect their domestic industries. Um, in China's case, that tends to be uh, more evident in uh, phytosanitary restrictions, uh, while in India's case, uh, import tariffs are, are, are a bigger issue. What about the uh, issue of retail, John? Um, uh, how, how different are, are each of these two markets? Uh, China's much more down the e-commerce route, um, and India has a much more traditional retail structure, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, uh, China um, uh, modern retail is, uh, you know, fairly is, is already very well established there. And then, of course, over the uh, past decade, we've seen uh, this uh, real sort of explosion in uh, the e-commerce uh, side of things, and then, of course, uh, the integration of um, online and offline retail. So uh, China's uh, really been blazing a trail on that front, uh, you know, way out in front of. Uh, you know, uh, most uh, developed economies. So, um, uh, you know, it's a very different uh, picture in India. Um, of tr- traditional retail, <clears throat> you know, uh, by which we're talking about, uh, you know, the street uh, vendors, uh, pushcart vendors and, uh, and neighbourhood stores and so on, uh, they, they still uh, dominate the landscape there very much in terms of retail. But having said that, um, you know, modern retail has improved. Um, it, it's upped its game quite significantly in India. And uh, one of the most interesting developments, uh, I guess, on, on the retail landscape there has been all this uh, investment from uh, some of the big uh, e-commerce giants, um, you know, Alibaba, Amazon, and, uh, and, and, and you know, a big global retailer like Walmart with its investments in Flipkart. We're seeing... Uh, quite uh, rapid development now in terms of um, you know home delivery and uh, that last mile delivery and e-commerce in India. That's very, very interesting. Let's bring you in, Yushin, now on this question of e-commerce. Um, as John said, you know, it's been a huge game changer in China in the last number of years. Do, do you think this growth in e-commerce will continue in China? Uh, I think it will, Chris. Um, I mean, especially now, uh, you know, with the coronavirus situation now, using in China, I mean, what we have seen during the, this uh, epidemic in China, because uh, last time something like this happened in China, e-commerce got a substantial boost due to the quarantine measures. And that was SARS in 2002. But in, in comparison to that, the disruption the coronavirus caused to people's everyday lives is, of course, of course uh, much more severe. So what we are seeing is during the lockdown, especially uh, e-commerce in many parts of China, even became the only way for people to get groceries. And many of these people are buying fresh food online for the first time ever, and it's a new experience for them. So I think if their retailers are doing the right things and can make a good impression on these uh, shoppers, making sure the produce they got, along with everything else, are of high quality and fresh, uh, we are very likely to see these people continue to buy groceries um, this way, long after the, the lockdown. 
Uh, John, you spoke very interestingly a moment ago about the development of e-commerce in in India. Based on what Yushin has just said, do you think that's going to kind of gain traction over the next weeks and months in India as it goes through this whole coronavirus crisis? What's your hot take? Well, I mean, uh, I think, uh, you know, India uh, isn't going to change uh, overnight. Uh, I mean, the e-commerce has its own issues, you know, especially uh, with uh, delivery of fresh fruit and vegetables. It's, it still hasn't really made a dent there yet. That would be uh, more a sort of uh, a longer term trend. Um, but uh, certainly you would uh, expect to see as people are, you know, observing the lockdown and um, and staying indoors, uh, a growth in some online delivery. Um, as I said, uh, it's uh, penetration uh, e-commerce in India in terms of fresh fruit and vegetable sales is is, is still, you know, very very low. But um, we would expect in the longer term that to change with all the investment that's mm-hmm. going into that uh, to that sector. Let's turn now to uh, talk about the the import market. You you talked earlier, John, about uh, levels of of imports. In in, in both markets uh, being very low, and both of you have reported in depth on the way in which uh, the market has been impacted um, by uh, this crisis um, with kind of fruit on the water waiting to get into the market first. Of course, it was uh, Chilean cherries trying to get into China um, uh, after Chinese New Year, uh, and in fact before it uh, as well. And, and now the talk is about apples from around the world getting into India, one of the world's biggest uh, import markets for apples. How do you see the growth uh, in future for imports into these two markets? Yuchin, uh, you first on, on China. Yeah, of course. Um, I think when it comes to imports, we all know that uh, port congestions and closures, as well as, as um, for container and air freight capacity um, shortages play a big role here. So the impact is there in China. But as a lockdown in China is gradually lifted, uh, we already see that uh, sea and land ports in the, in the country are now slowly getting back to normal. I uh, actually talked to Shanghai Huizhang Market today, which is uh, one of China's central wholesale markets for imported fruit. Uh, I was told that the port in Shanghai has regained about uh, 90% of its usual capacity. So um, we re- recently actually reported news on uh, Asia for China, our Chinese news channel, that the past few days. Uh, about uh, Philippine uh, avocados arrived in China for the first time this week, and so was the first shipment of a new season zestful uh, kiwi fruit from New Zealand. So um, it seems like business is kind of going in a good direction uh, for China at least, and which uh, market also told us the prices of fruit in the market are on the up as well. But uh, I mean, talking about imported food, a lot of them are. Um, you know, premium products. So that's another thing we need to note. Uh, I think during the lockdown in China, we got a lot of uh, uh, feedback from the market that, uh, well, the food consumption overall stayed very strong. Uh, Premium products were not doing as well because I think uh, we see a lot of people are more press, uh, press conscious with their shopping because of the uncertain times and so either this will improve soon enough for importing fruit um, will depend on the, how, how the you know, overall economy is going, I think. So, so uh, suppliers probably have to be a bit, little bit more careful about their pricing, I imagine. John, uh, what, what do you think about uh, India? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, as you since explained, uh, China is coming out of it. And you referred to earlier, Chris, and India is uh, very much uh, going into to the coronavirus crisis, you know, in terms of... Uh, 
you know, uh, the, the entire country, but also uh, for the for the fruit market. I mean, the situation uh, is evolving, um, you know, so rapidly. It's hard to really tell um, what the impacts are going to be, but it's it's clear it's already um, had a, a major impact over the past week. I mean. Um, only a few weeks ago, importers were telling us um, that uh, the coronavirus impact in India was negligible. Uh, but then, of course, last week you had Prime Minister Modi order a total lockdown of the country for 21 days, um, at very short notice. I mean, we're talking four hours notice and, and people didn't even have time to go out and buy food or medicine. And that abrupt curfew has really plunged the country into to chaos and confusion. And, you know, we've seen it all over the news. Uh, it, this is having an enormous uh, social and economic impact, the, the lockdown in India. Um, many things have ground to a halt. But at the same time, uh, you, you know, the lockdown has sparked uh, this mass migration of, uh, of tens of millions of daily wage labourers um, uh, who've gone back to their homes in rural areas because they've really got no way of earning money or feeding their families for the next three weeks. Um, so, you know, the, lock, the lockdown there isn't going to have the desired effect of socialisation and, and could, in fact, uh, spread the virus to rural areas. It's a very a very worrying situation. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, the impact for the fresh produce market, uh, the delivery of food is, is deemed an essential service. So those companies are allowed to continue operating under the lockdown. But uh, that's really easier said than done. I mean, you know, there are reports that uh, workers are afraid to go to work uh, for fear of, of catching the virus or being being wrongly picked up on by authorities who, who are using some pretty rigid and violent uh, controls to keep people at home. Um, you know, suffice to say, the logistics and the retail are really badly disrupted. Uh, the ports are, are operating at minimal capacity, so getting containers cleared is a real challenge. And there's fruit backing up at, uh, at wharves, uh, uh, you know, in warehouses. There's fruit on the water, apples from Italy in the US, uh, pears from South Africa. And then, you know, you've got on the retail side, we were talking earlier about how traditional retail is so dominant, uh, you, you, your push cart vendors and, and the wholesale uh, markets. Um, well, the wholesale markets did close briefly, uh, and now they're allowed to open for five hours a day. Um, but sales, those sales of the fresh fruit, you know, really rely on the street vendors, uh, and a lot of them um, have, have disappeared amid the curfew. There's been a drastic reduction there. So, you know, demand from consumers, from what we gather, isn't, um, you know, it's early days, but it doesn't seem to be that much weaker at this stage. But it's it's getting the product uh, to the consumer that's mm. uh, the challenge, mm. and uh, it's clear. Um, it's going to slow down. Uh, it's going to be slow going for several weeks. Uh, uh, fruit will spoil and, and there will be major, major financial losses. Mm. And then on the other side of it, there's a question of what consumer demand will be like when, when the lockdown is, is lifted. Uh, and, and it's, uh, you know, supposed to be lifted in two weeks, but we're, that remains to be seen. Mm. Uh, because you can imagine that, you know, higher value imported fruit won't be the, um, you know, top of the shopping list for most people. They'll be They'll be focusing on hunkering down and, and basically just buying the the, the um, you know staples and mm. um, you know so the, and I don't think the government really uh, is going to um, be prioritising imported fruits and, and the supply chain for those. They'll be focusing on the supplies of um, of the staples, you know, onions and potatoes and so on. Sure. 
So those, those are some of the short-term impacts, and I'm sure we'll be exploring some of those at our, our event in India in a, online, I should say, in a, in a few weeks' time. Um, but I, I'd like just to turn, and, and this is in our, in our final uh, part of today's conversation, about uh, the kind of future uh, of, uh, of the fruit market in, in both of those countries and how we see that having an impact on the global market in, in years to come. Um, the story of China in the last 10, 15 years has been, we all know, and it's had a huge impact on the uh, global trade in fruits and vegetables. Uh, Yuchen, do you, do you think it'll continue in the same way? Are we going to see the same levels of growth? Well, I think, I mean, China is uh, a big and very attractive market, but uh, what, but I think what everyone has learned um, during the China's lockdown um, in the uh, earlier this year is that uh, everyone is going to have to think about diversification for their export um, programs because we shouldn't be betting on a single market no matter how lucrative and how strong it has been in the past. But having said that, now with the rest of the world begin to fight the pandemic now and China seems to be the first one out on the other side. Um, I guess we could also see the world competing more aggressively in the China market again, in the short term at least. Mm. So is it to, will you focus on the China market or otherwise? I think there's um, good logic for both approaches at the moment. Mm. But I think uh, one thing reassuring about China is that as we've already seen over the past weeks and months is that uh, there's a relatively sophisticated and efficient supply chain and uh, retail network there to support the fresh produce trade, even in the worst situations. John, what about you? Uh, I'm sure you agree with uh, Yushin's analysis. What do you think is going to happen to India and will it have a similar impact on the global market over the next 10 to 15 years? Yeah, well, just just to, on the China front, I mean, um, obviously there's the the impact and the fallout uh, of coronavirus there on, on the economy uh, to contend with. But uh, you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, I see China continuing to be uh, the standout market in Asia and, and, and continuing to dominate. Uh, and I think you know we can expect to see a lot more growth uh, come from China over the next ten to fifteen years uh, due to its sheer scale as a market and economy. Mm-hmm. Um, now. You know, I think the the shutdown um, has, has highlighted to everyone really that the, you know China's coronavirus shutdown, um, including the fruit growers around the world, um, how reliant uh, many of us have become on this market. Uh, you know, several suppliers are, are depending on it too much, and in that sense, it, it has highlighted the need to diversify the risk and to develop other markets, even if they don't uh, deliver as good a return uh, in the short term. Now, it's clear that, uh, you know, India is one of the markets uh, that's uh, going to be vital in that whole process, although it's hard to say that right, uh, you know, just now with the situation in India. But hopefully we'll we'll see, um, you know, as things calm down uh, and after everything that's happening, uh, more supplying countries and companies uh, investing more time and effort in developing the market in India. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't don't think uh, India will will have... um, you know, um, the, the dramatic impact uh, that China has had over a 10 to 15 year period. Um, uh, but I think it will become steadily more important. Um, you know, it's a, it's a slower burn. That's fascinating stuff. Our time's up. And I, was, I just wanted to say thank you very much indeed for uh, joining me down the line today from Melbourne to you, uh, John Hay, and to you, Yushin Yang. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, please.
Thanks, Chris. So, don't forget, as I mentioned at the top of the programme, we're organising Fresh Produce India Live on Thursday the 23rd of April. It starts at 1300 hours uh, Mumbai time, which is uh, for your clocks uh, 0730 GMT. I'll be live online and everybody is welcome. It's free and all you need is a connection to the internet. Find out more at our website freshproduceindia.com. It only takes a few seconds to register. And just to remind you too that you can find today's conversation at Fruitbox and the many others I'll be having over the next weeks and months now at our website fruitnet.com and on all the major podcast platforms, including new this week on Apple. How very appropriate. Just search for Fruitbox. And look also for the Fruitbox link in our social media profiles at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and of course LinkedIn. You can find me uh, at my username Chris Fruitnet. That was Fruitbox, and this is Chris White. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.